welcome to The Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jen Subchakshai Bankard, and I'm here with a host who would never throw other writers under the bus. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? There were no quotes from that monologue that I wanted to say. So I, instead, I will just say, Happy New Year, Jen. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, too. And I think that is a good call. I was, of course, uh, referencing uh, Joe Coy, uh, the comedian who hosted the 81st Golden Globe Awards, which aired on CBS and Paramount Plus Sunday night. So we're recording this uh, episode on Monday, January 8th. We've had about a full day to digest browse the internet, see all the memes are surrounding, dare I say, this train wreck of a broadcast. We'll get into it. Uh, we plan to share our reactions to the ceremony, which is what I'm referring to when I say train wreck, uh, and the winners, as well as uh, discuss the impl- implications uh, the results may have on the Oscar race. So, you know, this is this is the big, flashy event that usually kicks off the Oscar season in full. And so we'll we'll talk about sort of like what this means going forward in the rest of the season so our discussion will be spoiler free or is intended to be spoiler free so you do not need to have seen any of the films that we're going to talk about today that were up for nomination pt if folks don't want to play us off the stage with music after listening to us today what should they do uh, if they don't want to miss new episodes of the show when they drop, please follow the Long Take Review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we host the feed on Jen's Substack, thelongtake.substack.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever, wherever you may go and get your podcasts. You can also follow us uh, if you're more social media minded on Instagram and threads at the Long Take Review. All right. Thanks, BT. So to get started, I just want to give our general impressions of the ceremony. This is sort of like standard operating procedure for podcasts that react to the Golden Globes. Sort of like, what did you think about the show as a show? PT, what were your thoughts? Uh, it was very bad. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad show. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we'll get to the awards. Uh, I, you know, I didn't mind uh, the awards with kind of an overarching caveat that's going to be a, a thing we talked about. So the but awards, you know, we're, we're generally good as, as, as a show, it was not a particularly great way to spend three hours. Uh, and what do you, well, I, I have some more thoughts, but what, what were your initial reactions? Jen? So, so I had actually gotten my hopes up a little bit because I made the mistake of that morning going on YouTube and looking up sort of like pre- like press advertising the golden globes and so there were a bunch of like morning shows that sort especially CBS because that's the network that that aired it. Um, so it was like a bunch of ne- like the CBS morning show or whatever had to like, here's what to expect from the Golden Globes this year. And they really did a good job of getting me hyped because they were like, yeah, we're like totally changing up um, the seating and the staging. We're trying to make it more intimate. There's actually going to be food. I know it's a big thing that people, actors have complained about in the past is that there's there's alcohol which which very few people complain about, but that there's no food, um, which often makes for an entertaining combi- like combination because then people get re- you know get tipsy really quickly. Uh, but then they complain because they're like, oh, you know, I really could have used at least a snack during this three hour affair. Right. Um, so I was yeah, they were they were going to have uh, Nobu sushi and they had like these like lazy Susans or like to have like a bar at each table. And I was like, this looks great. I'm excited. And then within like two minutes. 
of the opening monologue, I was like, oh, no, this is this is making so many of the mistakes of shows past and maybe even more so. I thought that, like, I was really rooting for Joe Coy. Like, I didn't really know him at all as a comedian, but, you know, I had read a little bit about him after they announced he was going to host. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I hope he does well. You know, it's it's a it's a tough job. It's a thankless job. No one seems to really want to do it. But it was just it was tough. It was tough to watch. For sure. It was a thankless job and no one is thanking him for it. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, you know, I've, what I've seen of Joe Coy, he's very funny, but this was not the context in which he can work. Uh, it was, you know, Jen sort of referenced it earlier, but uh, you know, he uh, started the monologue. It wasn't going very well. And, you know, I, I get there's a sort of co- comedian and some of, you know, my favorite, I think about late night hosts who get self-referential about like, well, that joke didn't work. Like Conan would do that. Uh, Seth Meyers does that a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, that can be really fun, but he was just throwing, like, I didn't write that one. Or, you know, like I, I didn't write all of these. They only hired me a few weeks ago. Like, what do you think? Uh, and it was just like, Oh, oh okay. So then it, it became this sort of combative, like he's, he's mad at the writers and he doesn't really want to be there. And then we didn't really want him to be there because he wasn't, having fun and it wasn't funny. So yeah, it, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't ideal. Uh, that wasn't ideal as a, as, as a way to set things up and then whatever flaws there were, I guess the, the positive for Joe Coy is whatever flaws there were in the external writers, uh, contributing to his monologue, mostly carried forward into the introductions, uh, done by the presenters, which were not all bad, but but mm. pretty frequently um, unfunny or yeah. uh, and or poorly executed. So, you know, it was just I, I think about the people who I know in my life who are like, I do not like award shows and I don't find award shows entertaining uh, or I find them grading. I find them self-serving. Uh, this is very dumb. And it's like all of that was you know, everyone who felt that way would have felt completely justified in those thoughts by watching this. This was like the worst version of almost all of those things for all of the presentation parts, not necessarily the awards. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say the speeches, because uh, I think there were a lot of really good speeches, but the, the, the award, uh, you know, the, the show, the show around the awards uh, was kind of a worst case scenario for something like this. Agreed. And I think, with the hosting in particular, because I put in our Google Doc, why do hosts keep failing? Because, you know, I think Joe Coy is probably like we've hit kind of rock bottom in terms of just how quickly it went south and how hostile he got with the audience and how they were how how little time they had for him and like how just how quickly everything fell apart. Um, I think it's like it, this is like a setting some kind of record. But there's a kind of a long history. I, I want to say going back to like ricky gervais i feel like is the beginning of the end of the last time i have a memory of like a really cringy golden globes hosting situation and so i kept wondering like why they keep feeling and my theory and i'd love to hear your your thoughts on this is like you can't go into this making fun of the people in the room like the jokes should not be at their expense um and I think this is why sort of like Jimmy Kimmel, I think, who's been hosting the, hosting the Oscars and people are like not thrilled with him, but generally accepting of him. He seems to kind of toe that line where he's like 
he but he's also kind of more in the in crowd like he's one of the people in the audience he's friends with people in the industry whereas joe coy i feel like had had no had none of that kind of goodwill going into it and so like when you come out of the gate like making fun of the things that are being awarded like i just feel like right now for award shows that's just not the approach to take because people just like aren't going to be into it i i agree i I feel like my, my memory is that first year that Ricky Gervais hosted, people were like, we like this. Not necessarily the folks in the room, uh, although everyone there liked it enough that he was invited back, I think, two more times. Uh, but I think that there was like a general cultural reaction of like, oh, he like called people out to their face a little bit uh, and, and he made some jokes, uh, you know, that were that were pointed uh, and I think that there was a law of diminishing returns uh, because there was a second and third year. He felt like he had to keep topping himself. Uh, and Ricky Gervais is also just sort of heading down this path of like, it it actually is funny if you don't think I'm funny, which is a choice for a comedian to make. But that's a whole other thing. That's a different podcast. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I want to tweak it a little bit. I don't think it's bad to make fun of the people who are there. I think making fun of the celebrities is welcome, except for... Um, we have Will Smith. Uh, he doesn't like that, but uh, I think that for most people, they're just like, yeah, some good light roasting is fine. I think that there's a problem when when hosts come out being like, this whole thing is dumb, and it's dumb that we're doing this. Right. And and again, I, I that kind of feels like it's it's trying to resonate and pick up those people like who I think about, who I've got plenty of friends who were just like, oh, I hate the Oscars, they're dumb. I hate all these award shows, and. It seems like as we've moved away from the monoculture of network television, where it's like the Academy Awards is going to be a big live event. And it would be like, yeah, I guess there's nothing else to do that Sunday or Monday night. So, of course, you know, you know, 12 million people are going to tune in and watch it or 20 million, however many it used to be. Um, you know, it was it was a, a pop cultural equivalent of the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, but in the same way that the Indianapolis 500 like 50 years ago was also a big television event. And now it's like, what? Like that, they do that still? Like that's a thing? That's kind of where the Academy Awards are going, where it's this sort of niche thing for people like us who are just movie nerds uh, or like pop culture nerds who want to see like Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner because they've heard they've been dating or Taylor Swift because, you know, they like Taylor Swift um, and that most people aren't going to be into it. And it feels like they keep trying to get hosts to try to straddle that line or bring in people by being like, this is so stupid, right? Like, isn't this so dumb that we're all here doing this? Like, don't we all agree this is like weird and outdated? And it's like, not really, because that's why we're here is because we actually want to do this. So, you know, I think that that's why I, you know, maybe it's like the individual hosts to a degree, but I think that it's partly the sort of buildup of the telecasts. And this is not just, uh, unique to the Golden Globes, obviously, like we're one eye on the Oscars, that it's, you know, moving those awards that weren't going to be in the main ceremony out, trying to bring in the popular movie category to get the popular uh, movie fans back. Uh, and and the Oscar, the Academy Awards uh, ceremony is like sometimes moved away from presenting things from the movies to be like more songs, more dances, more other like spectacle when it's like, can't we just like be happy about movies and celebrate movies and the people who don't like that aren't going to show up. And maybe that's only going to be two or 3 million people. And it's not a blockbuster thing, but that's still a live television event. That's going to make you money. Uh, that that's where it seems to be 
yeah, that that's where it seems to be right. like dealt with. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see a monologue that just has like deep cut movie nerd jokes, like like the equivalent of like the Godfather or Snyder Cut references in Barbie. Like you know what I mean? I feel like that's that's the level we should be pitching at at this point. Um, but I don't know. Do you feel like because I had this, this this thought periodically when there were presenters on that actually like clicked with me and I was into it. I was like, oh, why didn't why didn't they host this? And, you know, famously, like, I think I don't know if remember if this was Golden Globes, but Tina Fey uh, and Amy Poehler, I feel like did a really good job. Whatever They, they didn't host heavily. They just kind of popped in and out every once in a while. Um, but I think I feel like they did a really, really good job. Um, and so, I, you know, were, were there were there presenters that you were kind of like, oh, why aren't they hosting? Well, I, yes, there were. And I, I know what you think because we were texting during the show. Uh, so I'm not going to take the one that you felt the most strongest about. And I'll say, because I did, I did feel a little bit stronger about this pairing. And it was uh, Simu Liu and Issa Rae when they came out and they had a nice bit about like, you know, representation and how they're excited about white person roles, which was all right. just being being a sad alcoholic in various contexts. Uh, and that was really funny, but it was like, oh, these two are funny and they've got they're they've got good chemistry. They've they've performed in comedies before, but they are also, you know, they've they've got some serious, you know, acting chops as well. So, you know, they they're I think that they would uh, be uh, be respected as uh, as hosts. So um, those were sort of mine that uh, that stood out as like, yes, I would I would anoint them. Uh, although I also feel like this is the path that got to James Franco and Anne Hathaway being True. hosting of the Oscars. So maybe it's not always the best idea to just pluck people who are good presenters. Uh, that said, who did you think would be uh, the the best potential? I, host? I was a really big fan of Andre Day and John Baptiste. I feel like they had, they actually seemed sort of happy to be there. Unlike most of the other presenters. Um, and, and their riffing on video game music was just like so endearing and and felt like really genuine and like they were having like a little conversation with each other while they were up there that you think that like I believed that they would have that conversation even if they weren't on the stage, um, which I think is the energy that you want to go for. So I really like them. I thought they were hilarious. Uh, and they just like they were laughed actually laughing at each other in a way that was not staged. I felt like um so I thought they would have done a great job. I would have watched a whole show with them hosting. I also thought that Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig were actually really good. They are, but I also think that, like, I don't think they would be good as hosts. I think you need them for a pop because if I, they had to do it the whole time, I don't think they would have that Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, you know, like, haha, right. we're laughing, but like, because I have that weekend update, like, we're kind of guiding this ship. Uh, I think that that would just be chaos. And it would, like, in. <laughs> In in the way that I think it might be good to have the Jean Baptiste Andrew Day like hangout vibe and like but like that also could mean a four hour show if no one is like right you know, there's no structure it, cutting it off I think that it would just be like super absurdist if it was Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig yeah. which I think I would like but I I don't think that would be uh, I would like appealing. that but I don't think that would be good for the show probably right more broadly yeah um, you're right they're 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 Get, their shtick is like not particularly sustainable outside of one bit. <laughs> now, what do you think about uh, America Ferrera and Kevin Costner as ho just permanent hosts? That would be tough. I mean, America Ferrera, she, she was she was really trying. She was like 
She's like, we're going to get through this. I'm going to make sure. And then Kevin, I don't, what was Kevin Costner doing? Like I, I zoned, I zoned out because I was like, this can't, like, this can't be real. And I think I started looking up something on my phone to be like, wait, what exactly is that? And then it was still going. And so I don't, I don't know. It, it had a little bit of like the Mike Myers, Kanye West from the Katrina relief vibes in America Ferreira's eyes where she's just panicking of like, what is going on? Um, but maybe that was supposed to be the bit. I also I saw tell, some. Yeah. I saw some chatter online of someone who thought that Ray Romano was really like spiraling when he did his thing um, uh, early on, and I forget who uh, with whom he was paired. Um, but I was like, no, that I think it was Kerry Russell, right? It was Kerry Russell yeah. and Ray Romano, and I was like, no, that's a joke. Like that was the joke. It was like he gave her a compliment and she didn't have a compliment back in like true honesty. Right. That seemed they were like Ray Romano was like hitting rock bottom in that. And they like really thought that it was like a, a serious moment. So maybe that person was see like was seeing that in the way that I saw Kevin Costner and Kevin Costner thinks he did a really funny bit. And it's, it, but it was, it, it came across I don't know. As he was for, adult for, to me. Yeah. For someone only half paying attention, I feel like you would be like, did he just have a stroke? Is he okay? Like, <laughs> Um, which I know is really mean, but like, that was the thing I was like, I was like, Oh, Kevin Costner is old now (laughs) and maybe he shouldn't be doing this. Like that's how far it went. Um, so if that was all written as a part of the, the bit, then I don't think it worked. Um, (laughs) I'm hoping he was just a little like stoned or drunk and not that he's adult or it, or it kind of sounded like he didn't quite understand in real time what he was supposed to be saying and that was kind of messing with him that, that i feel like that's also a possibility because it's very likely that he had no idea what he was supposed to say until he was looking at the teleprompter yes and then he might have like, been we'll do it we'll do it live yeah and didn't rehearse in any way right that that, why, that makes know, a lot of sense and why why wouldn't he? he's kevin costner you know he's kevin costner like he, he's busy making epic westerns apparently did you hear about this oh yeah it's, a, it's two or three movies Plus, he's got all the Yellowstone stuff. Yeah, look, I'm down. Well, no, for... so Yellows, he, Yellowstone is done because right. he's like, peace, I'm going to go make these movies now. Yeah. And the first one comes out this summer, right? Or it yeah. spo- was supposed I think to. I Hori- something Horizon? I don't, I don't know. I'm into yeah. it. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. I'm Whatever. To see it. Okay. We probably should move on. Um, so the other factor of this is, and most people kind of just tuning in to this year's Golden Globes probably would have no context for this because they really didn't make a big deal out of it but the globes has gone through massive revamping rebranding um just for some context for listeners like basically the short version of it is there were a bunch of scandals there was corruption that was exposed the 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 voting body for the golden globes which used to be the hollywood foreign press association the hfpa they were sort of like disbanded um and uh, it, it basically it led to like boycotting. They didn't have a show one year. NBC was like, we're dropping you. And then this year, CBS was like, we will take you back. New Golden Globes. Like, we will start again. Um, it's a whole new body of people, right? Like, it's all new journalists. It's all a whole new organization, but it's owned by some weird parent company. It's like company. a media company. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, media company and like investment group have like, 
bought the concept of the Golden Globes. And it's the Golden Globes journalists instead of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which was a memo that did not get to like five of the winners who still thanked the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Right. I think it was like Robert Downey Jr. and then maybe one or two other people sort of made a comment about the new Golden Globes and like the change, like kind of acknowledging the changes and stuff like that. But if you weren't kind of like paying attention to that, I feel like there would be no no indication of like, we're here, we're new, which actually sort of surprised me. But maybe that was purposeful to be like, well, like, let's just not make a big deal out of it. Let's just start over and hopefully people will pick back up with us, right? Um, yeah, like talking about how it's new necessitates being like, well, wait, why did it change? And then right. it's like, well, there was sexual harassment and there was potentially bribery. Like there was all kinds of shadiness and like the kind of Hollywood shadiness that like isn't fun anymore and people don't really enjoy connecting with, which I think leads into part of the problem with like, where's the ceremony in the same way that I think there's a general award show, like who is this for and what are we doing? I think the Globes in particular, in terms of constructing a television production of for giving out awards is in this weird place of, well, everyone liked us because it was very loose and that like they had alcohol, but no food. So people would get drunk and like, Someone might be in the bathroom when their award comes up and who knows who's going to say what. And they like, we're still hinting at that where they were like, Carrie Russell's a party animal when she was like taking a selfie with someone. It was like, that's not whatever. That's not a party. Right. Uh, You can't, you can't uh, force or contrive spontaneity. Right. Well, and it's also like all of that kind of like, we're just like letting our hair down and we're partying, like feels weird in the context of, and it was all like, this kind of shady organization doing it so that it's like, well, why are we keeping that? But then on the flip side, it was also, well, like, you know, the, the movie nominees are divided between musical comedy, musical and comedy uh, on one hand and drama on the other. So more people win and more people are nominated. And there were always like weird nominations and sometimes weird winners because there were like under a hundred people from barely existent journalistic organizations around the world uh, that were part of this association who would kind of vote based on who they liked the most or who had wined and dined them the most, or, you know, how many times Johnny Depp gave him a watch or something like that. And so it would be this sort of weird, like, Oh, who knows what's going to happen. And now it kind of just feels like it's another in a line of like eight ceremonies that are just trying to predict what the Oscars are going to do. And doesn't, you know, it just feels like, sort of another critics group, but also sort of another like arm, you know, trying to predict what the arms of the Academy will do. And, you know, again, this is my caveat. I liked the uh, awards that were given out in terms of I'm happy for the movies that got honored, but it also sort of feels like maybe we just don't need the Globes anymore. Cause like, what are they for Mm. besides, besides a night to be like, it's movie and it's TV and everyone's kind of there and hanging out which is fine, I guess. But like now that we have like, you know, SAG and the DGA and the PGA and BAFTA. Right. With many other awards to go. Yeah. What what does this actually do besides have a legacy of having a TV show, a TV ceremony? So, so you actually feel like there is a change, like this feels like a different voting body than the old Globes. I, I think so. And part of that is... Uh, that I, and now I don't have it readily available. I shouldn't have deleted the screenshot. Um, but I, as I did text you, I was looking to get ahead of ourselves slightly. Um, cause I was like, oh, like Paul Giamatti won. 
Um, and he, you know, in my mind, he won over Jeffrey Wright for best actor in a, in a musical or comedy. Um, I thought those were sort of the two people who were most likely to win. And then I was like, did Jeffrey Wright ever win a Golden Globe? And the answer is yes. He won one for Angels in America, the HBO production oh, on the right. TV side. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, Jeffrey Wright's got a Golden Globe. Does Paul Giamatti have a Golden Globe? And the answer to that is also yes. Uh, he has two, one of which is on the TV side for John Adams. And the other was for a movie called Barney's Version which I've never heard of, um, but he won Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. And the other nominees that year were uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for Love and Other Drugs, uh, a movie I don't, you know, I, I'm vaguely aware exists. I don't know of anybody who's spoken highly of it, but okay, like, that's good. Um, Kevin Spacey for Casino Jack doesn't doesn't hold up but that's you know whatever that's that that's tough that's a tough look um because you know they didn't know or or at least it wasn't widely known um and the other two slots were both johnny depp for the tourist and for alice in wonderland oh that's right i remember that year the double johnny depp so like (laughs) looking at that i was like oh god like the golden gloves are so normal now like that like nothing like that would have happened and everyone would have just been like, why are we putting up with this if it did? Like, why would they revamp it and then get that weird and be like, it's Timothy Chalamet for Wonka and it's Timothy Chalamet for Dune Part 2. That didn't come out. I don't care. We're still nominating him. Uh, and we're putting that into musical or comedy. Like, they, you know, that sort of weirdness isn't, isn't there. So I do think that they're, tr- you know, again, they're sort of stuck, like trying to be more serious and respectful of the craft of it all. But also, like then they're they're like, well, if you're not fun and weird, what, right. then why? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. Like, it seems like they they're trying to have it both ways to become more legitimate, which makes sense considering their checkered past. Um, but then also yeah. still maintain the reputation of being like we're Hollywood's like funnest night, right? Um, or biggest party or whatever whatever the branding they they used to have. Um, I I feel like there wasn't any of that kind of like spontaneous wild and crazy partying thing at all and in fact i feel like there was very little opportunity for that because as we were saying a lot of the presenters were either like either worked or didn't work and had very like very heavily scripted bits right uh but then when it came to the speeches i felt like they had so little time which and i acknowledge like the show was it is was three hours so i don't i don't necessarily wanted to be four <laughs> so i get i get that we we're under operating on under time constraints but i feel like a lot of the speeches were cut so short that most people by the time they were done thanking everyone everybody and kind of collecting themselves then they then the the thing came up being like wrap it up so there wasn't as much opportunity for people to make those like have those big moments on stage um and then like the clips were super weird too where like either there were no clips or there were clips that were way too long. Like, I think when they did Box Office Achievement, it had, like, tons of very long clips mm-hmm. from, like, eight movies, right? Uh, and then, uh, or the, the clips were edited together so quickly, and they weren't, like, what I, they weren't what I thought was would be representative scenes from the movie, because they kind of got weirdly cut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, like, the whole, the, the whole thing, there was very little that I was, like, this seems great and better. Yeah, the one that stood out to me was they did, for the first time, a best stand-up special, and it was five 
you know, very famous comedians. I don't know if it's five comedians. Every most people who follow stand up comedy, which I'm not like right right there, but I feel like I don't hear like yes, these five legacy comedians are the five best right now. Uh, so that seems sort of a weird selection. But then the clips they showed, I was like, I think like two of them didn't even have jokes. Like they were just setups, and they hadn't gotten to any punchlines. And then they were like, next, and also this other person. So it yeah, it seemed very odd. I don't know if it, you know that maybe it's partially because um, Joe Coy set the tone at the beginning of all okay, of this was rushed. Kind of threw everything off. Yeah, and all of this was rushed, and it all happened last minute. But like that made me feel like the clips were all edited in the last, like since the new year. Like they all like came in January second and were like, oh my god, no one's done the clips yet. Let's go and like <laughs> had to start working on it, but. Uh, but yeah, it, that, maybe that maybe was, they they fed the movies to AI and then said put together a <laughs> montage that, of, of look, scenes. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anyone. Can I can I throw out only because in my notes for myself, um, because this is uh, this is a note I had as a, as a tangent underneath um, that the show would be boring if it if it just becomes an Oscar prediction engine. Um, that like because it has TV as well, it could also be an Emmy prediction engine, which makes me want to note the funniest thing I think of this uh, this year is because of the strikes, the Emmys have been postponed, uh, and they were sort of left hanging in the air for a little while I think, but they've they're going to be in a week or so. It's January fifteenth. Um, at that Emmy show, because of the sort of time of eligibility plus the the, the time shift, uh, the uh, the the things from the bear that will be nominated are from season one of the bear. Right. Every award that was handed out last night was for season two. Season two, which I kept forgetting. Yeah, it was that was very confusing. Very um, odd. Just an odd award show cluster of strangeness between like the rules of the different bodies plus the time shifts. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So I wonder how weird the Emmys will be, kind of as a follow up to this, because it is such in, in such close succession. Our mutual friend Jordan, friend of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Is actually going to the Emmys. Oh, uh, so we'll he, maybe can he, can he give we'll, us a live, a live um, report. Yeah, maybe we'll have him report back, or be he can be our, um, what's the what's the word like? Correspondent. correspondent. Yeah, there we go. Um, so if you're listening, Jordan, hit us up. Uh, one last thing about the just the show, and then I do want to just go right into only talking about the awards and who won and all stuff, because I think there's a lot more to talk about there actually. Uh, But the last thing it was, and I'm only sharing this because, because I went through the trouble of watching those like morning show promotional things. One of the things they bragged about was, yeah, the way we've set up the tables, we want people to like be bumping into each other and having to walk around to get, to get to the stage. And by far the biggest, one of the biggest complaints I've heard aside from Joe Coy is that it took forever to ever, for everybody to get to the stage. Mm-hmm. And that generally made the whole thing longer or like gave them less time for speeches uh, and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, oh, they thought that was a good thing. Right. That would that would generally kind of give to the like, oh, we're 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 like a, just a big party, right? We're not a formal award ceremony because people are like, oh, hey, like I'm just bump, bumping bumping elbows as I'm walking up to the stage. But no, it actually just like took up a lot of time. Um which, so. which seems so obvious in retrospect, but I, I am sure whoever thought of that at the time was like, ah, this is going to be killer. This is going to yeah. be so great. And the way they pitched it on that like new segment that I watched made it sound good. I was like, oh, yeah, like that does sound fun. Like, no. Uh, yeah, we have to be practical is sort of the takeaway. Um, or, or they rented out the space and then they realized they can't fit all the people uh, the way that they wanted to. So then they like 
retroactively were like, uh, it's a good thing that everyone's walking into each other, actually. We planned it that they wouldn't be able to get to the stage. It's all about the narrative. Um, so, so speaking of narratives, I want to talk about the winners and sort of like what are the what were the big for you the sort of bigger narratives of the evening in terms of who won and what is what does this mean or what trends did you notice and all that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, I guess we're starting with Succession, right? I mean, we have to know. Um, probably not a lot of talk on the TV side, <laughs> although. Um, Jen's uh, award prognostication advice of succession, the bear and beef was uh, pretty strong. I think there were only, there's only one award on the TV side that didn't, what that wasn't won by those three shows. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the, I kind of had a list of sort of like whose stock is up, whose stock is down, whose stock is holding. Uh, I don't know if, if it's stepping on toes, to just kind of go through all of them real fast, but I mean, Oppenheimer, Obviously, the big winner literally yeah. won five awards, but also like really kind of solidified itself as not just the internet chatter, Nolan Bros film Twitter front runner, but you know the actual for real. Like, no, everyone really likes this movie, and the pe- when people vote on it, it's uh, you know it, it's popular, and and the crowd responds to it. Um, I I do feel like the the one of the first things that. Uh, not to not to keep going back to it, but one of the first things in the monologue that like really lost people was when he, the Joe Coy was like Oppenheimer. It was so long, and everyone was like, "Nah, we're not into it." Like, a people talked about that like months ago, and also we love Oppenheimer, so you know, keep it. Also, Killers of the Flower Moon. That really, to me, I was like, oh, "Killers of Flower Moon's really disappeared in the conversation because they didn't even bother making jokes about it being half an hour longer." than than Oppenheimer um so yeah Oppenheimer uh, obviously up there um the holdovers kind of joining poor things as the main challengers to Oppenheimer supremacy uh I think you know was was really big uh Davine Joy Randolph winning was you know she's she's been in in the front running position uh in supporting actress for a while now this just further seemed to lock her into that place uh, you know, un, un, until you hear otherwise, assume right. she's winning every, uh, every, every time, every ceremony. Every what's award. funny is she has won so many critics awards compared to everybody else mm-hmm. that for her, it felt like just confirmation. Whereas with a lot of these other winners, it felt like the start of something, you know what I mean? Like where people are like, oh, now this is where, this is where they're, they're, campaign or their front runner status kicks off yeah but for her it was like yep check keep going she's got this uh yeah good 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 it was like the first one it was like great and she gave her you know she's very great on the stage people liked it um but yeah by the paul giamatti winning again uh as as already talked about uh i uh, and maybe this was a, a little bubble of film fan combined with um, academic uh, corner, uh, literary corner, was like, American fiction is on the move. Like, people love that movie. But, uh, you know, that that doesn't seem to have happened. And so, you know, Paul Giamatti, and then it was like, oh, yeah. Like, we do all love Paul Giamatti. That He got the second biggest uh, response of the night in terms of ovations, in terms of, uh, you know, vibes from the crowd uh, about the performance, uh, about the, you know, the, the win, I should say, um, and the speech. So, Holdover stock way up. Anatomy of a fall stock is way up from basically like flat flatline to having some life. Uh, is suddenly like yeah maybe uh, with with the Barbie move maybe this is now the front runner for original screenplay. 
uh, there's or at least is in the in the conversation for right. that. So we should uh, clar- we should clarify for listeners because I don't think we've talked about this since the news broke. But Barbie had been campaigning for the Oscars in original screenplay, but it recently came out that they have now been placed in adapted screenplay despite the campaigning or like saying like, Oh, we want to be an original screenplay. Uh, the argument presumably being that it is based on a pre-existing IP. I think the precedent for this is the Lego movie, which is a similar thing where they were like, we want to be original. I mean, not that it really made it far enough to get nominated or anything, but you know, we want to be original, but then the Academy decided, no, like you're based on a pre-existing product that everyone knows. So you have to be adapted. So, so there was a big upset or, or there was a lot of discourse around that about people being mad about that. Um, so interesting now that like that they, it's cleared a, cleared a path for an Adam Ava fall potentially after yes. this. It, it it felt like Barbie had a pretty solid argument for, well, if you're not going to give it any other above the line awards, you can give it uh, original screenplay when it was campaigning an original not as competitive a category, Credit Gerwig, Noah Baumbach winning would be nice. Like people would be happy about that. Um, but now it's up against sort of the heavy hitters of the year, Oppenheimer, um, Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, so that's a lot tougher. So now right. original kind of feels like it's the holdovers and it's Anatomy of a Fall. And there are other, you know, there are other movies in there. Uh, that um, that I can't immediately think of, but those are the two. Past like Lives is the other big one, right? Past that, Lives, of course. That that, that my favorite. Past Lives had had more of an before this potentially had a more of an opportunity, and there's still time, I think, for Past Lives to to pick up steam. Sure. Um, a lot of people were like, "Oh, Past Lives is over. It went home empty-handed," but I, I think that's a little premature. Um, yeah, and you know, the, I think the headline of you know talking about stock going up and down is. This be for all the things that before. This is even though it's an expanded voting body, it's still only is it a couple hundred people? Like it's not. It's it went from eighty, about seventy or eighty, mm-hmm. to three hundred. Okay, so and how many people are in the academy? Like thousands, right? Right, it's a lot. The academy's way bigger, yeah. And you know, and these are this is still ultimately like a fancy gussied up critics award prize. Like these are still critics in in whatever capacity. Uh, they they exist. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily reflective of in the same way that if you watch the Producers Guild Awards, it's like, well, that's what people in the Producers Guild are going to vote. Or Screen Actors Guild is that's what the actors are going to vote. That's the biggest branch of the Academy. And the Directors Guild, the directors are going to vote a certain way. So this is still people outside the Academy. They have no direct voting uh, influence on the Ultimate Academy Awards. It's all vibes. And it's all sort of you know, really a chance for the people who win at the Globes to sort of get up on stage and be like, wouldn't you want me to also give a speech at your award ceremony? And there were a lot of people who did that, you know, and again, you know, Robert Downey Jr., uh, uh, Lily Gladstone, Killian Murphy, Paul Giamatti, who would be against Killian Murphy, obviously, like really did sort of come across as like, oh man, yeah, like I'd want, you'd want that, like you'd want that hit um, at the, uh, at the real ceremony in the way that in, you know, earlier years when it was Brad Pitt, when it was Laura Dern, when it was uh, Kihu Kwan, like those were like, you were getting excited about their speeches uh, and as, you know, audience members and you could sort of feel like, oh, maybe voters are getting excited 
about the possibility as well. Yeah, I think Lily Gladstone by far gave the best speech on that front. Yeah. And it really felt like, oh, this is she's she's seizing her moment here mm-hmm. in a way that I think I didn't really. Robert Downey Jr. probably would be a, a close second because I thought his speech was quite good. It was funny. It was it was char- charming in a way that I would want a Robert Downey Jr. speech to be. Um, but I feel like her speech was actually very powerful. And one of the few, as I was talking about earlier, she actually had and maybe this was because they didn't play her off. They just let her go. Because that's she her speech did seem a little longer than everyone it was. else's, um, which is is the right move I think. Because um, I think you you don't want you don't want the headline the next day to be like Golden Globe silences Native American voices or something like that, right? right. Like well, and, pe- and Michelle Yeoh had made the joke that she was going to beat up someone if they that's right. if they played over the best actor and actress's speeches, right? But I feel like she had the the time and the space to actually say something meaningful about her movie about the significance of her win right there was like a whole narrative that she managed to kind of craft in her speech whereas a bunch of other people like i re- i enjoyed davine joy randolph's speech as well but i feel like hers was like 60 percent thanking people and then at the end she sort of snuck in a thing of like you know there's a little bit of mary in all of us right like it, but it, it wasn't it didn't feel like it had the same gravitas that lily gladstone did yeah i i agree with that um but yeah it did it did feel like, I mean, you know, the, the, it seems like that race, the best actress race is sort of boiling down to a two person race. Best actor and best actress are sort of have gotten down to two, two people and it's the two people who won. And that's part of the magic of the globes, having drama and having musical or comedy. So for actress, it's Emma Stone and, and Lily Gladstone uh, in what feels like we were texting about this. So. I'm repeating myself to Jen, but not to our lovely listeners, which uh, is that it really feels like a, uh, a sort of twisted, um, you know, somewhat mirror version of uh, what happened last year, where there were there's the sort of person who is like, this is a career defining performance. This is absolutely incredible. Like, I cannot imagine in 20 years looking back and being like, this person has Oscars, but this wasn't what they won an Oscar for. Yet they have already won an Oscar. So maybe they don't need it uh, versus someone else who would be a historical win in terms of representation uh, and is, you know, the, the, the cornerstone performance in um, this big movie of the year that, uh, you know, had had a big impact. I mean, in, in right. slightly maybe different ways. Um, and yeah, I feel like the inverse of it is that, you know, it's different which movie is the weird, like, are we sure the Academy likes this? This is so far out and and bonkers. Movie is the, like, legacy actresses one. And then the sort of, like, more, like, stoic, serious um, movie about, like, you know, important issues uh, is the uh, the newcomers one. But, um, you know, I I, I don't know. It's, it, it, it feels like Lily Gladstone really has popular momentum she's the one who had the biggest like if you know paul giamatti was second biggest lily gladstone it brought the house down just winning and then her speech was incredible and everyone was like seemed really locked into it like that feels like she has the lead which i feel like people have been doubting a little bit because that's another category you know not manipulation i wouldn't say that but just category movement of is she going to be supporting is she going to be lead and they clarified before the movie came out she's going to be lead and it was like oof is she going to be able to hold up there and now it seems like yes like that's like the the, the response is there for her um that movie i believe is hitting uh, apple tv plus for free streaming friday 
Thursday or Friday? Yes, I think I think you're right. I think it's this weekend. So Pete, more people are going to start seeing it. Um, they're potentially going to start seeing it in four or five installments, but that's fine. Um, but I think that you know, even if they they cannot sit down and ex- enjoy the movie as it was meant to be experienced in the daunting three and a half hour single session, they will still be uh, you know gripped by uh, her her performance in a similar way that I I think. I think one of the things that got people and I'm maybe uh, extrapolating out too much uh, cognitive egocentricity here um, for me, but uh, you know, like I remember I bought the the 4k of Oppenheimer, watched it with family in town and kind of suspected that maybe it would be like, okay, this won't hold up to what it was in the theater because it was a huge screen, 70 millimeter, IMAX, blah, blah, blah. And it's gangbusters. Like it's still amazing at home. And I think Killers of the Flower Moon um, at least Lily Gladstone's performance, even if people might be shaky on the length and, and other aspects of it. Right. Uh, I think similarly, she's going to blow people away. And I think they're kind of there. They're just kind of in that pole position, you know, going forward, barring something dramatically changing. Yeah. To back, back backtrack for a minute, I want to add to kind of the, the larger narrative before, because we, we've started getting kind of nitty gritty into individual wins, which I think is great. We, I want to keep doing that. But just to kind of like flag what does does this mean for Barbie? Because to give some context, my prediction strategy, which actually didn't pan out that well, I actually I think I did better with TV than I did on the film side, um, which I think just means that I overthought the film side because <laughs> I went through this roller coaster of like, well, the voting body is new. We can't actually use past the 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 history or like whoever who won in the past as like any sort of reference or what they choose what they tend to pick because it's a new group of people um and so i just kind of went with like who seemed to be in the lead for the general award season like for the oscars um and the thing i overestimated was barbie because my thought was okay like where i can pick oppenheimer i'll pick oppenheimer i think with the exception i i went with um Charles Melton instead of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> because he's been winning so much stuff. So I was like, I guess. Seemed right. That yeah. seemed right at the time. Yeah. yeah. And now now it seems weird uh, that I did that. Because um, when I think when when Robert Downey Jr. got up there, it felt so right. Where it's like, oh, of course. Like, of course he's going to win. Um, anyway. So that my Oppenheimer, go big on Oppenheimer strategy, largely panned out. And But I also kind of where I could, like, especially with screenplay and then with uh, best musical or comedy. I went big with Barbie also. I was like, let's do the whole Barbenheimer thing. I think that's what's going to dominate. Um, and so it only half worked because Oppenheimer, as you said, came away as the big winner of the night. But Barbie, I feel like, I don't know, because what this kind of told me was Barbie's the, a movie that is going to get lots of nominations because people are generally fans of it. But when it comes to it, when the like, rubber hits the road that people are going to be like it's not prestige enough that's sort of what what how it its performance of the golden globes that's what it told me because it ended up winning box office achievement which i thought was going to go to taylor swift mm-hmm. and then i was like oh they're gonna they're gonna give best comedy or musical to barbie that ended up going to poor things and that what that told me is like oh we're gonna choose <laughs> we're gonna choose the the artier weirder <laughs> movie about uh, a woman who's like a doll <laughs> um, rather than the more populist one. And so I feel like that was very telling. Whereas up until that point, because Barbie had been doing so well 
with critics groups and just like, you know, it got the record number of nominations for Critics' Choice, right? It was really riding this big wave of like, could it, could it, could it? Like, can it be as big as Oppenheimer in terms of getting awards? And now I'm like, oh, I think it's going to be like more like the a film like The Irishman that gets tons of nominations or Mank or something like, you know, like gets all the nominations, but then doesn't go home with anything. Yeah, I mean, in the same way that it was like, ooh, the color purple, I guess that's it, because it didn't get a lot of nominations for the Golden Globes. Barbie not getting a lot of wins for the Golden Globes with that musical or comedy lane. Mm -hmm. Not all to itself, obviously, but, you know, being the most prominent movie uh, you know, culturally and, and sort of hype-wise, uh, I think that that does say something. And I think... I mean, I, I love Poor Things uh, a lot, and and I'm was very glad to see it win. Uh, I've been I've been happy with the idea of that sort of maybe being the spoiler from the big you know long serious movies, which I also love uh, of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which isn't really in that position anymore, um, and Oppenheimer, which of course definitely is. Uh, but yeah, I I had sort of been like yeah, Opp yeah Barbie, they'll give it to Barbie because the Golden Globes. And that's another thing of like, I guess you, again, you're thinking more like the Oscars of, you know, you being the Golden Globes, not you, Jen. Um, you know, that's like, you're, you're thinking more like the Oscars of what's the sort of Oscar-y, critical, um, you know, correct choice instead of the the sort of, I don't want to say it was be a bizarre choice, but, you know, the what's the fun choice um, that yeah. that would be, uh, that I think would, would be Barbie. Yeah, it, it, been in, it feels like, I don't think it's going to be an Irishman or a man because I think it's going to win song. Like, I think it's got song locked up and it's going to have two or three nominations. I think two-time Academy Award winner Billie Eilish is in our, is in our near future, uh, which is fine. Uh, I, that song is very good. Uh, I like that. It's no, I'm just Ken, but that's Condolences okay. to Ryan Gosling. Both I mean, he, he wouldn't win. Uh, you know, he didn't write I'm Just Ken, so he wouldn't. I know. You know I guess, get yeah, the... condolences to Mark Ronson, I guess, technically. <laughs> right. Um, he's fine, I think. But yes, uh, it's, uh, yeah, and, and to Dua Lipa, uh, who, right. well, her song will also not win. But um, yeah, I mean, it, that's why, like, it, it kind of felt for a little while, like, okay, you know, the, there's we're starting to get the clusters of, I don't want to say condolence awards, but to sort of like, here's your corner. And, and like close the flower moon, Lily Gladstone is their corner. Best actress is the corner. Um, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still holding out some like, what about adapted screenplay? Is there mm -hmm. going to be a push for that? I don't think that's likely, but I think that's going to, I think it'll get you, nominated. Cause do you think Oppenheimer is going to win instead? Is yeah. that, that what you mean? Okay. That's what I think. Or poor things. Right. Uh, depending on how much of a, you know, sort of spoiler that's going to be. Uh, or that's where they're like, maybe we still award Barbie and we give it adapted screenplay. I just feel like Killers is just kind of like, hi, uh, is just kind of hanging out in the background and is everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Lily Gladstone, you guys are fine. Um, which right. sort of feels like Banshees of Inishirin, where everyone was like, yeah, yeah, Colin Farrell, you guys are fine. Uh, right. And then he ended up not winning. So, you know, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, it felt like Barbie had a screenplay and a song kind of locked up. But now the screenplay is in flux because it moved. So maybe it's just going to be song. And then it's, it's cool. It's it's still cool that Greta Gerwig's uh, Barbie movie will be an Academy Award winning movie. But it does feel like it had some momentum for a little while. And now it doesn't. Right. I mean, to, to counter my own argument, I would say one is 
their speech when they did accept Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig when they did accept the box office achievement award, they really took it seriously and they sort of left nothing on the table. I feel like in terms of mm-hmm. and gave very good speeches. So I think in that sense, you could argue that because of that, Barbie is still in the game. Technically, maybe it's not as strong as people thought before the Golden Globes, but that it's percolating, right? Like it's still it still has potential. Um, yeah. The other counter argument is that like that the goal that that the Oscars, because people rioted when they tried to do a popular movie award, they don't have the equivalent of the box office achievements. You could argue that a Golden Globes journalist voter could have said, hey, there's this other category. We can spread it around. I can I can put poor things in comedy and musical and I can put Barbie and box office achievement and then everybody goes home happy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with the Oscars, if they didn't have that choice would people still pick poor things over Barbie or something like that? Right. Right. Um, That's a good question. Yeah. Um, But I think that's the, the Barben, how Barbenheimer fared in general, I think to me is the biggest narrative or kind of biggest headline coming out. Yeah. Golden Globes. Who's, whose stock is falling for you? Who's, who's, uh, (laughs) I mean, no no one's uh, campaign is over. No one's trajectory is ended because of the Golden Globes, you know, obviously. Right. in terms of buzz, in terms of momentum, who took who took it on the chin, so to speak? I, I feel like American fiction, like you said, I think if Jeffrey Wright had won and that was it, that I probably wouldn't be saying that. But I but the counter argument to that is and that this is the thing in my predictions that I think I had underestimated because I had talked to myself too much in being like they're gonna try to be like the Oscars. And I had kind of underplayed the or didn't account for the international skewing mm. because I think anatomy of a fall doing so well, it won in two different categories, right? Justine Triad gave two great speeches and, uh, and I think American fiction, right? Americans in the title <laughs> right? <laughs> by contrast is maybe not something that's going to be as on as many international voters radars. Now past sure. lives, I think is the thing that maybe is a little worrisome. Mm. As I said earlier, I think it's premature to like say that it's over for that film right uh but i think in theory that film also should have appealed to more international voters because of the nature of the story and how it's about like immigration and sort of like being kind of torn between two countries and stuff like that you'd think that would have more in it you know it's it it was in the non-english language category right um so the fact that it it went home empty-handed anatomy fall got two i think sort of shifts the balance of power but is the difference there that it's a a body of foreign critics that lean european and not asian yeah that's very possible i was uh, i was looking on the website i didn't scroll through all the members because they have little bios and say which country they're from it's actually did seem pretty diverse like it wasn't just but that might have been like i only made it through like the first three tabs (laughs) so maybe they front loaded all the (laughs) non-european it's just it's just all Austrians for the last like six pages. Right. Biggest stock down though. That was just all preamble for my real thing. Maestro. Which I know you're happy about. Happy is a strong word. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like happy about it. I actually feel really bad for Bradley Cooper. The look on his face when they announced that Kelly Murphy had won. Like I think I saw a meme on the internet today that was like insert montage of the six years of him learning how to conduct and putting <laughs> e- putting everything into making maestro only to lose to killian murphy 
And I was just like, oh no, like it's going to be another, it's going to be stars born all over again. Like he's just going to, he's just going to, he has, he has tried so hard. <laughs> like we'll come away with nothing. I mean, um, the important thing is that Killian Murphy's name isn't Bradley Murphy, which would have just been an extra, like in that, like there was that little moment of Robert De Niro being like, huh? Oh, oh. Um, when they announced Robert Downey Jr. He was like, Robert Downey Jr. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it, that look, that's tough. We, may, may, maybe we will, maybe we won't have a Meister episode. Maybe I won't be on it. So you and Greg can talk about that movie positively because um, I didn't particularly care for it. I want you to have space to air your grievances. So. Sure, but I also don't want to like, you know, it, I, I didn't think it was like, some sort of crime against humanity. I just didn't think it was, uh, uh, you know, particularly effective. Uh, I appreciated the things it was doing that were different than it. It wasn't a standard boring biopic. I appreciate. Maybe, maybe you just don't like Bradley Cooper. Cause you I don't, also don't like a star is born. Well, I wouldn't say I don't like a star is born. I just didn't like it as much as everybody else. I feel like I enjoy Bradley Cooper's performances in things quite a bit. Um, he's my favorite talking raccoon, uh, in, in major motion pictures. There you go. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I did not, I would, Maestro is the only movie that has been in the conversation that I have seen that I'm mostly, I generally do not want it to win. Like everything else. I'm just sort of like, am I going to be mad if a May, December, you know, if, if, if Charles Melton had won over Robert Downey Jr., had won over Robert De Niro, it would have been like, oh, man, but like, you know, ah, you know, they were all good. Like, that's great. Um, but like if Bradley Cooper won over Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti, I would be like, come on. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, and I say that, you know, with, you know, I'd be glad he got his Oscar, but it would it would feel a little bit like this this movie doesn't deserve it over these other movies. You know, and again, there's a few movies I haven't seen. Maybe there are others that will come into those. I don't want to be like, I don't want to have a designated movie I, I hate uh, or am rooting against. That that uh, I don't want that to be the case. Right. You don't want there to be a villain for your um, award season. I was texting uh, anyone but Maestro every time there was a category where Maestro was nominated uh, during the Golden Globes, which I believe that you uh, reacted to generously at least once. Uh, Greg, who I think liked Maestro more than you did, um, remained pretty quiet. So my apologies to Greg for uh, crap talking Maestro. He, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but... But I will anyway, apparently. Uh, I It feels like he could be on the Bradley Cooper Best Director train. Not to win, but like to, you know, to appreciate him as a director. Um, sure. I, I watched the Hollywood Reporter Director's Roundtable. I don't know if I told you this. Mm -mm. Um, Bradley Cooper wants to be known as a director so badly. <laughs> so badly. Because everyone else at the table, and I think it was like Alexander Payne, and Celine Song, it was a great lineup. Justine Trier, mm. Michael Mann, and I feel like I'm forgetting one other person. But but it was it, you know it was it was basically everyone who's a contender for best director except Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese. And you know I mean it was like they the Hollywood Reporter was trying to be like hey like maybe you want one of these people in you know sure in in the category um and everyone kept trying to ask bradley cooper about what it was like to be an actor directing a movie and he was just like he just kept coming back with like but i but i'm i'm so in love with the process of filmmaking and like even when i've been an actor like he's really trying to undersell 
the fact that, that he's an actor being a director he just wants to be a director known as which director. is interesting because he was clearly working so hard as an actor during the movie it's it's it is very true but um, I, i'm sure if i i did see you know some of the clips of him and emma stone in the one-on-one actors talking to each other and there was he was bringing up the directing components sometimes but they were getting into it. so i think maybe it's just when i'm in the director's round table I want to just talk about directing when I'm in the actors. One, I'll talk about the actors. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, he did. He but, did a really great uh, impression of Clint Eastwood, who was his okay. mentor. So I love that. Yeah, so it's worth it's worth checking out. It was really great. Yeah. Also, I, Justine Trier. I fell in love with Justine Trier and Celine Song in in, I, the, yeah. in that roundtable. I was just like, can can't they can't they be nominated? <laughs> like, I mean, who, because they're just say- they're so smart. I think Justine Justine Trier could be now. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and if past lives, the thing with past lives is it felt like it because of all the critics awards it's been getting, it felt like that was getting momentum. Uh, but maybe that will come back. Like, is there a world where it's Nolan and Scorsese or Nolan and another dude? And then it's Greta Gerwig, Justine Trier and Celine <sighs> Song. I think that's possible. Don't that's not impossible. I mean, I like that you're putting that in the universe, but don't get my hopes up. That yeah. would be, a, and, that would be so I, fun. I don't, I don't no, it's Scorsese and Yorgos Lanthimos both don't make it. But right. what if, like, what if, like, what if the big snub is Martin Scorsese's not nominated for director? Like, what if that's the big headline snub? That would but be it means nuts. that, like, one of, you know, all three of those women get in or another one of those women get in and Cord Jefferson gets in or whatever. Um, it's probably Bradley Cooper. So but, the, you know, the other whatever. film that I think is big stock up, like, is is pretty solidified in my best picture lineup now is The Holdovers. because. It won two acting prizes at Golden Globes. Paul Giamatti and they both gave great speeches. As I said, Divine's speech was like to me a little shortchanged, not not of no fault of her own, just that she didn't get enough time. Um, by the time she finished thanking everybody and being really nice and, and gushing about that the fact that she won, uh, but Paul Giamatti, like he thanked teachers. I was like, you're getting me where I live. Like, <laughs> uh, like, like. Suddenly I was like, oh, yes, like we need to make this happen. Um, and so so I feel like it's going to be hard if they both are sort of front runners or or big contenders in the acting categories and then holdovers because presumably holders getting in the screenplay too. like it can't do those be those three and then not get this picture. I feel like. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would be surprised. I'm, I'm sure anything is possible. I, I, I feel like if we combed back through the greater than five best picture nominations there is there are some movies that got multiple acting nominations but didn't make it to best picture but it seems very rare at least it it feels that way i haven't Mm -hmm. done the the history dive on that maybe maybe that's that's something i'll do uh in between classes tomorrow uh to waste time but yeah i mean that that feels like you know that is riding the wave of becoming available on free streaming or you know subscription streaming it's on peacock right at least anecdotally a lot of people watched it once it hit there over right before uh christmas and over sort of that that week between no it actually went on peacock after christmas which i thought was a poor choice oh that's interesting but i still feel like i've heard a lot of people say they watched it yeah yeah i think it it was like right around new year's i want to say maybe it was the 27th or 28th maybe that's right um, but, but anyway, I, you know, you're granted, it should have been earlier, but you know, I, I think that it, it, it's getting attention. People are suddenly like, oh yeah, like what a, what a, what a great little movie. Like we really like that. Um, and 
you know, beyond the fact that Davine has just sort of, again, just had that, had that, that, that nomination uh, and, and seemingly win like on uh, under control for a long time. There is like, it's like, yeah, Paul Giamatti. And I think that there's a degree to which to going all the way back to just sort of like, what, what does this mean? What does this mean about the golden globes uh, compared to the Oscars? And also sort of like, why does it exist? is to be this first televised ceremony and to get celebrities up on the stage and talking because I do feel like, you know, there's the, the critics are off doing their critics things and it's like, yes, it's Charles Melton uh, or, or, you know, yes, it's Andrew Scott and it's, and it's, you know, and it's Killian Murphy who's also the, the BAFTA, very good on stage. BAFTA long list came out the past uh-huh. week. Andrew Scott. And all the strangers did super well. Yeah. That's so now, right. pe- now people are like, "Hey, all the strangers, maybe that's." But are in we? It. Are we sure? Are we sure that BAFTA like? I I feel like when it's like this is a this is a, a English a British movie made uh, with a bunch of you know British and Irish actors that people uh, have a lot of connections with. It's not weird for it to like not overperform, but overperform compared to where it might be in the Oscars. Um, but yeah, I think All of Us Strangers has only just come out. Like it's only just actually hitting more than like a handful of movie theaters in the country. So that may you know have a chance to to grow again uh, or or grow at all maybe. But anyway, I feel like you know there's the sort of you know the the sort of if there are ceremonies, they're not broadcast. We don't know like where where they are. It's suddenly like. Who are we kidding? Like, we want Robert Downey Jr. to win. Look at the speech he's going to give. Mm-hmm. Like, we want Paul Giamatti to win. Look, like, everyone loves Paul Giamatti. Like, of course. Like, this is great. It's Paul Giamatti. Uh, and so he gets up and and he gives his speech and everyone's clapping. And, you know, I think that it was, he had sort of, I think, well, one time recently we were talking about it. I think we were like, ah, he might not even get in. He might not even get a nomination. And now it feels like, you know, he's... If he, I don't think he's the front runner, but I think he's the solid. He's the spoiler. He's the. It's a head to head, and he's the second mm-hmm. uh, person in the ring. Yeah, I didn't even have him in my nominations predictions originally. Now I'm going to put him back in. Yeah, I don't know who comes out to. of what I have, but it's yeah, we'll have Cooper. to see. That's Bradley. It's Bradley oh, Cooper, no. so he could just be. He just has to be sad. Which wait, so who? I feel so bad. I mean, maybe it's Leo. Like maybe it's just like okay. I've been saying Leo might not get in for a long time. Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair made a really good point where people don't want to vote for Ernest. Sure, you know, like his character is so icky that people aren't going to be like, yes, yeah. And then if we have all the attention on Lily Gladstone anyway, and people like you, like you were saying earlier, people are like, oh, it's definitely going to get Best Actress. So we've we've got killers covered, right? right? I feel like it's much less likely. Leo, I, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just looking at the Globe nominees, and you know, a bunch of the musical comedy is like, okay, that's not relevant. But they're fun; they're fun nominations, but they're not they're not going to translate to Oscar. But, yeah, but really, outside of Killian Murphy, everyone's potentially fungible. Or, and I don't mean mm. that in terms of talent or performance. I yeah, just mean or like snub, snubbable. I guess. Yeah, would I be surprised? You know, at any of the Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, Andrew Scott, Paul Giamatti, Jeffrey Wright. After you know now, uh, Coleman Domingo was has been creeping for a long time, but you know it doesn't seem like anyone's really talking about Rustin anymore. Even right. though you know, he he did do a great job in that movie, 
uh, and deserved a better movie around him. Uh, that, that that's my capsule review. But uh, but yeah, that's you know I feel like any one of those being left out, I think anyone but Killian being left out, it would be like ooh wow. But okay, you know it would be weird if they all get left out and then Joaquin Phoenix for Bo is Afraid or Napoleon gets put in. But you know that's six people any of those one of them has to not be in so right you know any any one of them so maybe maybe it's no andrew scott no no leo or no andrew scott no coleman domingo or no jeffrey wright or no jeff like i want jeffrey wright he needs it and i think that they they gotta focus their campaign for that movie on that and adapted screenplay i forgot that one earlier i've heard a lot of critics um saying that the release plan for american fiction was sort of not ideal yes that That sort of came out at the wrong time and now is fading away it's another in (laughs) a line of you know the what used to be the way of there'd be one or two big movies that came out christmas day and that would be become a huge contender is kind of no more because american fiction i mean I, i think they came out like a like a little bit before but american fiction color purple ferrari none of those are really like getting the momentum that it seemed like people thought they would uh, to the, you know, to whatever degrees they might be based on the quality of the movie, but that the release strategy is yes, as you say, and just not helping. So I cannot believe that this hasn't come up yet, but there's one big sort of surprise of the evening that we have not yet discussed. And that is best animated feature, yes. which went to the boy and the heron. Yeah, damn right, not Haran. And well, look, look. Sorry, I'm not over that yet. Um, and and not Spider Verse. Not Spider Verse. Everyone, everyone. I every critic I follow, every podcast I listen to, every website. There maybe was like one, maybe one or two people who were like, "I'm going against the grain and picking the boy and the heron," but pretty much everybody had the consensus that it was going to be Spider Verse. So this was a big surprise, and it was the first time that I really believed what some people have said. I believe that Greg has been one of them where it was like, are we, are we underestimating the degree to which people were like, Spider-Verse didn't feel like a complete movie. Right. Because it ended. Is a sequel and is also not finished. Yes. It it has the two towers syndrome. Yeah. The avatar way of water thing of we're just in the middle of this story. We, we liked and rewarded the first one. Let's wait for the third one to make sure that you land the plane we can we can uh, award it then, but uh, you know for now we, we can go and do something else. And look, we're, we're you know I have no choice but to stand. I I, I am here for it. I love this. Uh, I want this uh, out in the world. I would love Miyazaki to get another uh, Academy Award. Uh, I would love uh, Joe uh, Hisashi. And I, I, I'm not certain I'm saying that correctly to at least get a score nomination. I don't know if he has a chance to win, but he was nominated for score at the Globes. Uh, and, uh, you know, that would be great. Uh, I, you know, let's do it. Why not? Let's 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 let that weird little movie win, uh, win an Academy Award. It's um, a little, but, yeah, but I know. What you mean. I mean, it may be little compared to Spider-Verse in terms of scope of story, um, but it's not little in terms of man hours put into it and. And uh, box office success and uh, cultural significance, but uh, but yeah, I that was great. Uh, Florence Pugh was seemed uh, very excited, and maybe that's because she does a voice in the uh, dubbed yes. version. Uh, but uh, I I also like to think that she just respects the the film history 
of uh, Hayao Miyazaki and was happy to see it to see it win. Um, and you know, again, to uh, my my uh, hope, my hopeful defense of past lives by saying that the critics of the Golden Globes lean too European, that they will not are not as into uh, Asian stories, somewhat undermined by The Boy and the Heron True. being the first um, Japanese animated movie to win uh, at the Golden Globes, to win that category at the Golden Globes. So, um, but yeah, it, lovely. What a what a wonderful win. Yeah, and who, who knows all. what if the, if it will mean anything going forward necessarily? Because I think I've heard a lot of people already sort of couching it as well. But this is like the Golden Globes. Of course, they were going to pick like you know the 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 more international animated feature or the more like the the less linear, artsier, less mm-hmm. commercial pick, right? Although you just mentioned like Boy and the Heron had great boss box office showing, so I don't mm-hmm. know if we can even say that it's not commercially viable, right? I, I um, think that people maybe or I, I always feel like I have underestimated the degree to which anime is a dominant popular culture force mm. for a lot of people under the age of 25 or or 30. And so I don't know if, you know, again, I always kind of think of Miyazaki movies as these weird dream sequence, like uh, barely linear stories of, you know, weird things. But like, I, I, you know, I don't know if that's weird for a lot of people. And the Academy has been embracing more, uh, you know, nonlinear, more, uh, you know, sort of out there uh, narrative uh, approaches. And, Miyazaki has moved he's you know generationally become like the you know the revered old master for many many people lots of we've got what 30 years of people who have grown up on his movies so you know I don't it 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 seemed like a pipe dream and and maybe we'll go back to just Spider-Verse winning which oh shucks you know my my number 10 movie of the year will be best animated instead of my number five or six movie of the year um but uh, you know what it's a wonderful problem to have but um but i yeah i would i'm i'm happy i'm happy for this uh uh, did you see the statement from uh studio ghibli that was like it's been very hard in japan for the first week of of the year because there have been so many tragedies this was a small light in a terrible time and it was like it's a perfect like that feels like a Miyazaki movie to be like oh you took a moment of joy and somehow made it like crushingly (laughs) emotional like great good job I did not see that so that's good yeah because they I think a lot of people were sort of just observing or in some cases complaining that no one was there to accept the award but to be fair, no one is expecting it. So I'm like, right, right, yeah. It's, it's a big get it's Taylor big... Swift up. Get Taylor Swift up to to accept it. She's heron-ish. I'm not. I'm just gonna leave that there. Um. So so yeah. I, I mean, obviously, like I love both the Boy and the Heron and Spider Verse. I'm I'm not mad either way, probably. But I do think you know, Into the Spider Verse already won an Oscar, right? True. So. True. So like, if you know that's going to nudge me a little bit more to rooting for the boy in the hair, and I think, um, but yeah, really was really was general. This was the one where I was generally surprised, um, and happy to be incorrectly predicting. <laughs> yeah, because um, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed it at all. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm also just happy that there's a race now. You know what I mean? Like right. the fact that it's like up in the air between these two films because of this, I think, is much more fun than. If people were just like, yeah, it's Spider-Verse, whatever. <laughs> well, and th- that's one of the 
you know, to, to start to move out, maybe I, I feel like on our sheet, our planning sheet, we've answered a lot of the questions or I've been trying to do the timestamp and I'm like, uh, we are, we kind of talked about these out of order. Yeah. We're jumping uh, around. That's okay. Uh, but I, to start to zone out a little bit of like larger meta narratives, you know, whether this is a, a problem or not, uh, it, you know, at, at, for this year, it may be something to consider for the uh, awards ceremony cycle over multiple years is, is this going to be another year where it's kind of feel, will feel like from maybe like early February for like the last like five weeks, is it just going to be like, we all know who's going to win basically everything. Uh, and you know, that feels like it's happened more and more, you know, partially because all these precursors got TV deals and that was sort of, you know, to fill gaps that, you know, the golden globes kind of opened a void and they, they, you know, people got set up there, but whatever. Um, and also the, the awards industrial complex of which we are our own little small uh, component of is, uh, you know, is out there, but you know, it, it does sort of, you know, is it possible? It does feel like the acting races are all down to one or two people and picture and director feel like, pretty close to locked in like nothing's done no, again no, no no one no one has sewn anything up just as no one has lost their their campaign but it does feel like there's a lot of momentum in one direction so having something like best animated feature suddenly be thrown into chaos yeah. is pretty it's fun. fun yeah to go back to the best director because i think we haven't really talked about that in terms of what happened to the golden globes i feel like christopher nolan did exactly what he needed to do Right. Invoking Heath Ledger and then between him and Killian Murphy, I feel like there was a lot of good tag teaming propping up like each other's campaigns in the speeches. Right. Because Killian yes. Murphy really talked a lot about Christopher Nolan and how mm -hmm. he's worked with him for so long and that his process, like from the moment he arrived on set and saw there were no places for actors to sit, meant that this was like a serious, rigorous production and that you know christopher nolan doesn't mess around and then similarly christopher nolan was like you know to killian murphy sort of my partner in crime for like 20 years you know mm -hmm. and then and then talked about kind of the last time he was on the stage accepting a posthumous award for heath ledger right for the dark knight and so like i i don't know i just feel like they they took advantage of the the wins here and gave themselves that sort of boost now, the question is, does that turn into actual Oscars momentum or, as we often see, maybe not this late in the season, but oftentimes the front runner. So in recent years, I feel like it was Power of the Dog. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, to a certain extent, Fablemans, though, I think Fablemans sort of faded out much earlier in the season than now. But but oftentimes a film that comes out as an early front runner. Actually, Fableman's won a bunch of Golden Globes, I think. So maybe that is a good um, that that then that becomes sort of like a movie with a target on its back, and then there's yeah. an underdog. You you would I, probably say Poor Things or something like that. that or the holdovers comes, comes up, or the holdovers. Yeah. Well, what what I would say is instead of the Fableman, and I don't know if this is you know in a way witch casting it, I kind of feel like Oppenheimer's more with everything, everywhere, all at once. In that it was like, it didn't come out as early as Everything Everywhere, but it was like, this was a movie that was very popular. It made a lot of money relative to its expectations, relative to the box office as it exists the year, the year in which it came out. It was like, wow, that was actually really successful. Uh, and 
the biggest sort of backlash against it was like the people who love that movie really love it. And I kind of find that annoying. Uh, I don't mean I find that annoying because I'm one of those people who love both of those movies, but that, that there isn't a lot of people who push back on everything everywhere is like, it's actually not very good. Or Oppenheimer as it's actually not very good. It was more like, calm down, everybody. Like, maybe this isn't as great as you think it is. There are these other movies that are also really good. And there are other movies that are also really good. But, like, it, it, it they, these are both really loved movies. So it's like, I don't – I think it might be sort of like Everything Everywhere uh, where uh, – or, you know, I don't – this is a strange comparison – it feels like it's one, maybe one of those presidential uh, campaign things. And that's, we're not talking about current ones, but like a decade ago before things went really off the rails, when it would be like, oh, uh, to pull a name, it's like Mitt Romney's the person who's going to be the Republican nominee. And like a bunch of primary voters were like, you know, we don't like that. What if it's Herman Cain? What if it's uh, Rick Perry? What if it's, and like someone would kind of like brew up to be like, maybe I'm the front runner. And then it's like, no, you're not like, you're actually not go away. Uh, and it was just the guy that we knew all along was going to mm-hmm. do it, did it. I kind of feel like that's where Oppenheimer is. Is it's just like, yeah, like, and, and it's not that they, that Oppenheimer can't, you know, be beaten or anything like that. But I just think everyone kind of got sick of thinking it was the favorite and they were like, maybe something else is the favorite now. Um, but it's just sort of always been there as like, yeah, everyone liked it. It's kind of feels like the movie of the year. It's got the, like in the broadest appeal in terms of Academy voters. What, like, what are we talking about? Or why, like, why are we really kind of debating this? And I may be wrong. I may be proven wrong and, and something could go, you know, off right. in a whole different direction. But yeah, I will, I will just, you know, to reiterate what you said that it was, you know, going into this, the, the award, it felt pretty likely that Oppenheimer would win best uh, film, best dramatic film, um, but best director all along, all sort of the run that's been in the same wheel. There's maybe another version, another timeline where Christopher Nolan's going to get best director and that's the Oppenheimer award mm-hmm. and Killers of the Flower Moon or Poor Things or whatever is cleaning up five, six, seven uh, awards in other categories uh, at all these different precursors. So Christopher Nolan's speech being... I had this connection with Robert Downey Jr. the last time I was on the stage. I'm talking about Heath Ledger. I looked at Robert Downey Jr. Mm. That was really important to me. Robert Downey Jr. is really important. Think about Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. In a context where he may not – Robert Downey Jr. may not have won. Like that speech was written not knowing that he was going to win. And that Killian Murphy might not win. So let's talk about Killian Murphy and me like you were saying. So it kind of feels like they're really pulling together – you know, in a way, these four awards of supporting actor, actor, director, and picture. And since since I did do this, uh, th- do you want to know the last time that there was a movie that won supporting actor, actor, best director, and best picture? Oh, my goodness. It, it's further back than you think. Like, you okay, can't right. go back year by year. Oh, okay. So it's not recent? No. We were not alive when this happened. Oh, Oh, that makes it harder, actually. Um... Well, I, I didn't actually mean this to be the trivia question. Okay, the, okay. The, the answer is Ben-Hur in Whoa. 1959, um, which uh, obviously won uh, uh, a, a lot of awards. Um, it was, and now, of course, of all the things that I that I looked up, I didn't write down. It's it's um, Charlton Heston won Best Actor. Hugh Griffith won Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And I have to confess that I've never seen Ben-Hur. So I don't know 
who Hugh Griffith played or or whether it he did. I have it, seen but, it, but it was so long ago that I don't yeah. think I could tell you. Um, but yeah, and then w- William Wyler, director, uh, best picture. And uh, so the actual trivia question that I was going to ask, because that felt too hard to actually ask you uh, that. Um, although I will note that uh, another thing I'll note is that the uh, there's only been two times this century that the best actor and best supporting actor have been from the same movie and neither one director or picture. Uh, and uh, it was Mystic River with uh, Sean Penn and Tim Robbins in 2003 mm. uh, and Dallas Buyers Club with Matthew McConaughey and oh, Jared Leto yeah. in 2013. So maybe 2023 we'll have Oppenheimer. So we've got a pr- uh-huh. random, uh, totally unrelated, but still fun to see um, pattern. Uh, Ben-Hur, the movie that did have those, those four all win, won a bunch of other awards. It won 11 total awards. That is tied with two other movies as the most awards ever won in one night. Jen, what are the other two movies that have oh won my goodness. 11 awards? These two you should know. Or you will, if you don't think of them, you'll be like, I should have thought of this. Right, right, right. Okay. So. And they are from our lifetime. And I believe both of our Academy Award watching lives. Like we were. Plugged into the Oscars the for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. we were aware of them. We were old enough to be aware. I was plugged in for both of them. I can't speak to you for both. Mm. Wait, so it's like, are we talking past five years for either of them? Okay. No, no. I, we, we were double digit years old, both of us, when it happened. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, I, that happened within six years of each other. That's the hint I'll give oh, you. Oh, interesting. Okay. You, and I believe you, another, I don't know if it's a hint. I, I know you like one of them. I believe you like both of these movies. Okay. I'm going to guess The Return of the King. That is correct. For Return one of, of them. the King. Yes, because I remember that was a huge, that did really well yes. that year. Um, the other one I'll say, because that's the, probably the one you were like, oh, that's one that I like. Yeah, for uh, sure. I could yeah. lock that one in. <laughs> Uh, so then what does that mean for the other one? The other one is probably is that is the other one earlier than Return it of the It is earlier. That was the next hint I was gonna give you. It was okay. earlier. Okay. So it is not surprising that this movie is on this list. Okay. Like you won't be like, oh, who would have thought of that? Right, but right, right. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it I'm trying to think. Oh, Titanic? It is Titanic. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, who do you, next hint was, who do you never bet against? Who who should right. one never bet against? Uh, and it's James Cameron. He's king of the world. Big Jim, he, as they call him on the big pick. Indeed. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it, 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 it's, it would be historic. If they carry forward, which seems, you know, very possible. I feel like, be, you know, best supporting actor, again, nothing's locked in, but Robert Downey Jr. is feels heavily in the lead now yeah, after really, it felt seriously. like Charles Melton had kind of secured a, uh, you know, had secured a slight lead. It seems like RDJ yeah. is just like, what are we doing? Like yeah. everyone wants to give him an award. And well, see so, him so now I think the early momentum for Charles Melton translates into a nomination and yes. that's like, that's what's good. That's going to do for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, <laughs> but now the idea that he's winning seems like sort of absurd now. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, uh yeah, Robert Downey Jr. When he got up there, it and he for him and Killian Murphy, and I want to say Christopher Nolan, though I think Christopher Nolan was such a much more sure bet going into the night. Um, it felt like one of those things where people were like, 
Well, it feels like they would win, but we don't have any information with which to really say that. And now right. we do, you know, like, and that, yes. honestly in the awards, it's role in the award season, which you keep kind of coming back to. I feel like the first big data point is really whether or not that's like predictive of the Oscars or just like a thing to shake up award season with who wins, you know, that's sort of what the golden globes is to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, which is interesting. The- Cause it's, yeah, it's very unclear if there is a line to draw from this, like that moment of seeing those people on stage to affecting anyone's votes uh, in any of these things that actually, in any way that actually matters. But yes, as a, as a as people who watch this and construct our little narratives of what is what is happening, it certainly feels like it's like oh what yeah again what were we doing why were we ever thinking that all these Oppenheimer people wouldn't just be doing this like this totally makes sense and you needed you needed those two actors of course you needed the director of course it's the it's the picture like you need all of those um and you know how you know they don't have as many below the line but it did win score as well right uh, which it feels firmly in the lead it on, feels on like score score editing cinematography a lot of those it's yeah. a real production design it's it's yeah. out for visual effects crazy because it didn't is, make the short list yeah bananas Wild. i mean um, i have not seen the video of christopher nolan spinning the thing in killian murphy's face when he has the like ten thousand pound imax camera yeah. like on his nose that's why his nose was red it wasn't lipstick it was the ibex camera pressed into his face when he's trying to sleep that was dumb. it's a scar um yeah. from from that um so so it sounds like oppenheimer's not going anywhere I, don't I mean, so. anything could happen. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it is it is so strong right now. This is confirmation of that or like a sort of coronation of that where it's like, oh, the thing that we thought was just theoretical and imaginary. It's like Schroding, Schrodinger's Oscar. Right. <laughs> right. Now it's a real tangible, concrete thing that we can say is happening. Um, was there, you know, we have a whole slew of other precursors between now and March when the Oscars air. SAG, BAFTA, PGA, DGA, WGA is actually postponed. So that will be after mm. the Oscars. That's right. Um, so that one's not in the running. But, you know, that's a lot. Is there something that gets, sh- for one of those other bodies, voting bodies, kind of gets, shakes this up a little bit? It could be. I did just check the USC Scripture Awards will still be happening in early oh, March. So but it will be change. after the voting. It will be after the voting for the Oscars. So uh, I don't okay. know, but it will give us a little something to nibble on. Sure. Um, while we're waiting, uh, it's like ten days before the Oscars. It'll be a bellwether, but not a precursor yes. in the momentum sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, or yes, in the in the in the momentum that actually matters, which is who votes for for what. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. Again, it it, it would be boring if there's no if everything just sort of stays the same. So I hope there's some sort of a shakeup. Um, that's also easy enough to say in a year where there's a lot of good movies in the running. There's no, you know, there, there's no movie where it's just like, oh dear God, like please don't let this movie win I, again. Like I, I lightly feel that way towards Maestro, but like, would I really be mad at like, you know, I mean, I would, I would be mad might, if, if, might, if it yeah. one, if one director in picture for sure, I would, I would lose my mind. Um, but like, you know. Cooper acting, Mulligan actress, like, fine. Like, okay. So the craziest thing is that up until the Golden Globes, Carrie Mulligan was, like, 
in people's number two, in some people's number one. And now she's not even in the conversation for some people, which to me seems so that seems too drastic. Like people are like, oh, maybe Carrie Mulligan doesn't even get nominated now. And it's like, well, I don't I don't know about that. Like, yeah, like her performance is pretty flashy and good and big, like regardless of how you feel about the movie, you know, like so. So I think maybe she's dropped down a little bit. She's not maybe as solidly in third behind Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone. But but that, yeah, just like the how how quickly critics dropped her. Yeah, was incredible. I just like, well day. <laughs> I mean, one could argue that it's because they wanted to have these people get nominated and potentially win because they like these performers and not because of the actual movie mm-hmm. in which they are performing or the performances they give in, in the in that movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, it always seemed pretty crazy to me to put Carrie Mulligan above either Emma Stone or Lily Gladstone. Like that's third place, okay. Like I think that it it it, it always felt like those two were up at the top and then there was a potential spoiler that could come out of a a, a pool of like six or seven amazing uh, actresses that are vying for those last three spots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a little weird to think. I, I would think it's strange if they are just like, no, okay, goodbye. Um, does it end up that like, there's some kind of last minute Netflix shift to May, December. Cause that has gotten a little bit more heat to be like, uh, okay, this is our top priority. And they start pushing, you know, a Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and and right. Charles Melton um, out in acting instead of the maestro people. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I would I would assume no because everyone loves Carrie Mulligan, and I mean, I guess not everyone loves Bradley Cooper because he doesn't win an Academy Award. But you know, he's he's a really big star, and and people want to see him be successful. So uh, so I, I and I would assume Netflix wants to keep working with him. So I don't think that would actually happen, but. Um, yeah, uh, I forget why I started making fun of Maestro. Oh, because it's not like it's not because Maestro is a villain. Uh, really, um, it's the closest thing I have to a villain, but it's not a real villain. And so, it, great if there's a shakeup because it just means another really good movie is getting awarded somewhere, uh, and that's that's nice. Um, I'm that said, I'm pretty good with if if things did basically shake out this way. You know, Lily Gladstone, uh, Dave, Joy Randolph. Oppenheimer clustering around other things. And then it's Barbie Oppenheimer, poor things, killers of the flower moon mm. fighting around screenplay and yeah. below the line. Cool. Like, great. What, what a great year for the movies and, and for the Oscars. So we'll, we'll see if there's more, more shakeups beyond that, but you know, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay with that so yeah. far. Well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think for me, SAG has the biggest potential to shake up the acting races Mm -hmm. oftentimes SAG SAG sort of like zigs and zags in a way that's kind of confusing in terms of who they pick as the winners Uh, because I feel like was it last year even where it was like a different nominee Oscar nominee won each of the big precursors acting precursors um that may be right yeah like somebody and that often happens where like some one person wins like I think it might have been yeah maybe it was last year Angela Bassett won Golden Globe Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say Kate Blanchett won SAG. Oh no, 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 that's was, not true. It was, it was Michelle, Michelle Yeoh. The, the four, the four people who won SAG are the ones who won the Oscars. But at okay. the time, it was weird that Brendan Fraser won and that Jamie Lee Curtis won. Like oh, that was right. that was strange. Yeah. And Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett have been kind of fighting it out 
you know, the whole time. Sure. So yeah, I mean, it's possible that SAG, SAG zags, uh, and that suddenly is like, oh, this is the new path to what the acting actual winners will look like. You know, we, we don't know. All right. Well, I think we've done a thorough breakdown of how this has happened and what the implications for the future might be. Are there any personal picks that you want to give a shout out to that to wrap up? Oh, I mean, it, it's hard not to love that boy in the heron one. And I don't mean that to disrespect uh, Spider-Verse. So, um, uh, yeah, I think I think I have to go with that. I'm, and I, I will say... And and I have you know watched Barbie multiple times since it showed up on Max, and so I I do really like that. I don't mean to disrespect that either, but I really like the Poor Things one best musical or or comedy because uh, I love Poor Things even more than I love Barbie in this, as previously mentioned, stacked movie year. How about you? What was uh, what 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 was or were your favorite nomin? Win when wins. wins. I mean, I was really happy about. I mean, the for it, this is not necessarily a win necessarily, or like just because of the win. But Killian Murphy and the whole moment of like he had lipstick on his nose, and then Michelle Yeoh, I think, took a second to try to like tell him, or to like be like, "Do you want me to wipe it off?" Like, cause cause she's her back is turned to the is to the audience, and she's like, "There's something that's going on between the two of them." In fact, I've heard people mistakenly, I think this was Mike, Mike, and Oscar being, they were like, "Did did Michelle Yeoh kiss?" <laughs> Killian Murphy on the nose. Is that why he had the lipstick? No, no, no. It was like he I think she was trying to warn him that he had that he had something on his nose. Um and then he and then I think it was really endearing that he was like, I'm just gonna leave it there. It's fine. Um so that might have been my favorite kind of like single mo like cute moment um of the night. But in terms of when, honestly, I really love Anatomy of a Fall. And so as crestfallen as I was to be wrong about predicting Barbie to get screenplay, that actually probably is my favorite thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, oh no. this is a real thing. Now I feel much more secure about anatomy of a fall getting into best picture, mm -hmm. um, which I was really worried about. And, and, you know, Justine Trier giving a shout out to, <laughs> first of all, to Snoop. Gotta love that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, but also, and I'm not gonna remember his name, but the, the young actor who, who plays the son in the movie. And then she gave just really good shout outs. She was like the ac the actor who plays the defense attorney. He was, she was like the, the hottest attorney, the side of the Alps or something like that. It was just like, it was really her, her speeches were really spot on. And I was just very, mm -hmm. I was very happy to see that film do well. I would have been even happier to see past lives also do that well, but I get that like, maybe there wasn't room for both of them uh, in these wins, but but yeah, the screen they had the screen, anatomy of fall for screenplay got me the most excited, probably. Yeah, I mean I, that's that's a great choice. I I did want Past Lives to win uh, at least you know at least one of those two, but anatomy of the fall was so good. So yeah, that's what again. How lucky! How lucky we are for such a good year in movies. Yeah, because I would also I would second all of the ones that you had too. Like lo I love poor things. Hopefully, we'll get to do a poor things review at some point mm. um that would be really fun and you know poor things boy in the heron yeah very few complaints about the winners from the golden globes which i can't say has always been true <laughs> yeah i mean again like you know over emphasizing it but just the list of movies that won oppenheimer anatomy of a fall barbie holdovers poor things 
Killers of the Flower Moon, The Boy and the Heron. Yeah. No. Hard to be mad about that. Yeah. Flawless. Flawless list. All right. So thank you so much for helping me work through what the the meaning of the Golden Globes was or could be. Where can folks follow us? Where can they find us on the internet? And, you know, if they have their own thoughts about the Golden Globes that they want to share, where can they do that? Yeah, where where, where could they share it? Well, uh, as mentioned earlier, they can follow the podcast uh, and, and all their major podcast uh, feed locations. Uh, they can subscribe. They can uh, review and, and rate the podcast. Uh, leave leave a review. Leave a comment in the review. We would love love to see it. That helps the visibility. That will get more people to hear us and join in the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram and Threads the, uh, at the Long Take Review. Uh, you can shoot us an email if you feel like you uh, don't want to do it in a social media sense or in a public review. Um, the Long Take Review at gmail.com. Uh, we're we're open for business uh, on emails as well and. Uh, now that we all have active Letterboxd accounts, uh, I have uh, mine. I'm actually up and, and running. And it's not just like a, a checklist for movies. Uh, I'm trying to actually log and review. Um, so you can find me there uh, at PT McNiff and, and Jen can gives hers momentarily. And our other hosts are on there as well. Uh, we've been trying to tag all of our reviews uh, starting in 2024 um, with the tag LTR pod. So if you go to any of our pages and you look at any uh, recent review, it they will uh, likely, or or they should be tagged. If it's a movie, uh, they should be tagged LTR pod and you can uh, click through that uh, and, and sort through uh, viewing uh, everyone who has posted it and you will find movies uh, dating back to uh, battleship uh, Potemkin in 1925, all the way up through uh, rebel moon, Part one, a child of fire from very late 2023, uh, and and uh, you know a handful of movies in between that that we have collectively watched uh, in this in this first week or of 2024, with maybe a few that snuck in at the end of 2023. So uh, yeah, fo- find us there, uh, follow us, um, any of our accounts, a comment on our reviews. Uh, we would love to communicate with any and all of you out there. Amazing. I have been afraid to log my first movie of the year because and you'll hear it here first listeners the first movie technically was chicken run dawn of the nugget hey it could be an academy award nominated movie we don't know that it's very possible it was it was fine it was it's neither good nor bad it just was it was a chicken it was a chicken run movie uh, Which I love the original Chicken Run, so that's hard. That's hard for me to say. Wow. But. Um, I, I I will just note the experience of actually trying to put a which you don't have to do, but I do feel like I want to play the game of like being like I'll watch something and then like I'm just going to immediately gut reaction, put a star on it, a star rating, and some sort of pithy one or two sentence comment under it. Looks very weird when I look at my profile and see that I gave um, the same rating to. The Arrival of a Train at La La Cioda uh, from 1897, a 45-second excuse me, um, snippet of film, the same rating as The Pacific, a 10-hour uh, miniseries about <laughs> World War II. Um, somehow, those were both three and a half stars, uh, apparently, once I was done with them. 
Letterboxd can contain multitudes. It's fine. What a, what, um, yeah. what so a weird you can, thing. You can find me on Letterboxd at Qui-Gon Jen. You can also find me on Instagram at threads at Sopchokchai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I. And try to avoid hot sushi, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You can follow The Long Take Review on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive new podcast episodes as well as written reviews of films with Oscar buzz and new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.